Colleen Wolf from NFL Network, and look, you may or may not know, I'm from Philly. I'm ride or die Philadelphia, but especially when it comes to sports. So you guys need to check out Mike Small on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. This guy crushes it, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say next. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm your host, Mike Small. You can follow me on Twitter. As you can see right there, at Real Mike Small. With me today is one of my favorite guests. And you know what? I think Philadelphia needs to hear from him today. He is Keith Pompey, the writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, host of the Locked On Sixers podcast, and pretty much one of the guys who's really in the know what's going on with Sixer basketball. Keith, I know that everybody's used every cliche about the end of the Sixer season. But I'm going to tell you right now, Ben Simmons broke me in half and I'm shattered into a million pieces. And I think there's a lot of people just like me. Yeah. And, and I must say, you were a great follow on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, like uh oh. I, yeah, I, I got my moods. I express myself well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. But it's, it's like straight to the point. You know what I mean? You, don't, you just get in and get out. Like you say what you have to say. Thank yeah, there's you. a lot of people um, that way. Um, you know, I haven't seen anything like this. Um, since covering the Sixers, now you know that you know uh, you know Markel Phelps, he he went through some things, um, but but I think the way that the Sixers lost, I think that um, the dialogue that was going on beforehand, you know, with Doc Rivers, yeah, uh, you know, hyping him up and, and and telling people, you know, stick with him and and he's you know, treasure. he's a treasure, yeah. Philadelphia, think, you better appreciate him, or he's going to be gone one day. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, all that, and yep. and and I think that you know after the fact, I, I think you know I I was in the arena that night, um, and when he passed up that shot, it was like, whoa. I mean, there were some boos, scattered boos, but for the most part, there were a lot of people who were upset, and and I will say that Ben Simmons is was the most polarizing figure in Philly sports right now, you know, at this particular time, or he was this season. Yeah. And I think that a lot of his people turned him, you know, a lot of them. And I'm that, one of them, Keith. I was one oh, of the you were, biggest supporters. Really? I was okay. one that said, you know what? When you can get a 6'10 guy that could pass and dribble and create the way he can and do as many things as he can, you know, I'm not worried about the offense. The Sixers need to do a better job of surrounding him. I – you know, the free throws. The thing that drove me the most nuts is the bunnies when he was in close and he would just miss these little bunnies instead of just throwing it down. And then he would, and then it was, it was a progression of that to, then he stopped taking them because he didn't want to get fouled. And then he got progressively worse on the free throw line. And then it just all fell apart. And I think Speaking for former Ben Simmons truthers, if that's the expression, um, you know, I think everybody felt like Joel Embiid, unbelievable player, Ben Simmons, locked and loaded, all NBA, you know, and it was just the other pieces that they had to take care of. Now, I think what's broken Sixer fans is they know that it's a lot more. They know that this thing could go go to hell and quickly. I mean, Joel gets hurt. The Sixers don't get value for Ben. And then the next thing you know, they're 2013 all over again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, you, you look back at it and you keep saying to yourself, man, if only they would have kept Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick. 
You know, I mean, that team, that team was so close. Um, but but you're right. Um, it, it could be 2012, 2013 over again. And, you know, you look at some of the uh, mistakes. And, and I think the thing that really, I guess, the people who were high on Ben, high on Joel, I mean, when you look at this team, there's been a lot of turnover. And they yeah. were the only two constants, right? And they were the two guys that everyone was supposed to, like, build around, you know. And, and now you look at it if you get rid of him this year, which, you know, you expect them to, because I don't know how he can come back and win over the fan base. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next. Yeah. But um, you look at it and you say, you know, after all these years, you just have Joel, you know, I mean, you have Joel, you have Tobias, but Joel, we're talking about guys who were drafted. And then you look at, you know, Tobias's role. It's kind of sort of, you know, he's not, I mean, you know, he showed that he can be a go-to guy, but, you know, you look at it and is he, is he the guy that you really want, you know, being the marquee player? You know what I mean? It's like Joel, you know, it's been, you know, Tobias plays well. He, he plays out of his mind. I, I like Tobias's game, but he's not. Well, we're going to be honest. The best thing that happened to Tobias has been falling apart because Tobias was awful in the last couple of games in that series, missing shot after shot, you know, shortening yeah, everything. Bad. And he's got no heat thanks to Simmons, quite frankly. Yeah, you were a great point because he did struggle a little bit. I mean, I think that, you know, the thing about Tobias, in my opinion, and we're getting a little bit off track a little bit, but I think that Tobias's better games have always come when they ran things through him early. Like they made a conscious effort to run things through him. He gets in the flow. You know, he's not the type of guy that you look at it and if he's struggling or if he's cold, in the fourth quarter, you're not going to say, let's spread the floor and let's just go through Tobias. It's right. just not going to work. You know, he, he's that type of guy. And, um, you know, I, I think that, yeah, he, you know, he, he struggled, especially that last game. He missed a lot of bunnies, but it, it's kind of sort of, you know, we, we look at him, you know, he was supposed to be a third option this year. He came out and he became the, the first option. I mean, the second option. And then there's times when Joel is tired or Joel's not playing well that you have to depend on him a whole lot. Yeah. And and then you look at it and you say, well, you know, he struggled, you know, talking about Tobias. But at the same time, you know, he's not in, in his defense. He's not the all star. I mean, you know, he 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 wants to be an all star. He tried to be an all star. He didn't get it. But typically when you when when we talk about it, you know, we talk about the Sixers. You know, on the on the billboards, it's Ben Simmons, it's Joel Embiid. Yeah. You know, they're the friends, they're the cornerstones. You know, Tobias mm-hmm. says, you know, he makes the money, but he's he's an all star snub. He's a guy still trying to gain respect. These other guys, they're expected to do things like and 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 they Ben just didn't do it. He just didn't well, do we're it. we're gonna we're gonna get uh, get back there. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit later about an article that you wrote about the process being a failure. Okay. Uh, I know that sparked a lot of debate, including one Daryl Morey who responded as well as a lot of other people on Twitter. I want to get to that later, but let's stay with Ben right now. I feel like most of Philadelphia is expecting Daryl Morey to deliver Dame Lillard, Zach Levine, some combination of De'Aaron Fox and some others. One, is that realistic? 
Two, is Simmons enough to do that? And three, is Daryl Morey set up in a pretty difficult... Well, let's let's hold off on Daryl Morey. Do you think... What are some realistic trade options for Ben Simmons? Do you think, with all the debate out there, he can deliver an all-star in a trade? You know, that, that's a tricky question. Not really. No, I shouldn't say tricky question. That's a, a tough question because yeah. it also depends on who you ask, right? Like I spoke to a couple people around the league and they feel like his value is better, higher than what people in Philadelphia view it to be, right? Because it's always one of those things where, you know, hey, they don't know what they're doing over there. Let us get a get him in the gym. He'll 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 like they um, might be right. Yeah, let's get him in the gym. Get, I know, right? Let's get him in the gym. Let's let's get our shooting coach on him, and and, and it's going to be better. Like the stuff that he does, it's just a little little needed twinkie, uh, twinkie. So that's you have some people from that camp saying that, but then you have others who are kind of sort of like, look, man, you know, this is guy. You look at his numbers. His 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 uh, statistics have been on decline since his rookie season, right? Especially in the playoffs, there are people who are saying that, you know, um, does he really want it? And then other people are saying, you know, he looks great in the regular season. He looked right around the All Star game. He's great. He's one of the best players in the world. The problem is, people defend you differently in the postseason, especially in the second round. So am I willing to give up a Dame Lillard or give up somebody else for someone who's going to possibly, or we're not going to know if they if they got in better or not until yeah. the second round? That's the tough one. And well, it's got to be a team that that just needs a name. Not that his name right now, you know, after the ESPYS and some of the other national, in a lot of ways, unfair the national jokes that have been made. Um, but he is a name and he is somebody that people could gravitate to. He is fun to watch in the open court and everything else. So if you're a team that's a perennial doormat, just trying to get to the playoffs, an Orlando, a Sacramento, um, you know, maybe not quite a Chicago, but, but there are those teams. Maybe that does make sense. The question I have for you is, you know, Daryl Morey was brought in here as a deal maker and that's what he does. And he's got a reputation for not just making deals, but winning deals. One, he knows he's in a tough situation because everybody in the world knows that he's got to trade Ben Simmons. You can't go into next season with Ben Simmons. A lot of people are saying, this is my opinion. A lot of people are saying, well, you could trade him, you know, at the trade deadline. Maybe you build up his value. You can't do that because you have to build your team. You've got to sign free agents. You've got to figure out what you're doing, you can't go into the season with a, oh, maybe we'll move our best player in the middle, one of our best players in the middle of the year who carries a $30 million contract. So in my opinion, it's got to happen in the offseason. Everybody knows that. And if Daryl Morey delivers something less than Zach Levine or De'Aaron Fox or whatever, Dame, then he looks bad, which he doesn't like to do. Tough situation, no? Yeah, it's, a, it's an extremely tough situation. And also, you got to realize, like, let, let's think about this. So he won a lot of those trades in the past, right? So it's one of let's go back to the Chris Paul trade, right? So they get Chris Paul, but Chris Paul and Doc Rivers like weren't seeing eye to eye. Chris Paul was about to leave, right? And and they knew he wasn't coming back to the Clippers. 
the Clippers wanted to get something in return. So voila, he goes to like is a disgruntled player and the team wants something in return. You know, Daryl Morey had something for him, so he won that deal. James Harden, uh, OKC had decided that they yep. were going to break up, right? OKC, all it, all, yeah, they weren't going to pay all three of them. It was one of those things where it was like, hey, y'all got a draft pick? <laughs> like, that's what OKC wants. Well, Houston had all that, so he were able to get James Harden. Even down to, um, uh, let, let's say uh, – Russell Westbrook, he won it out, right? But even down to um, Dwight Howard, it was a situation where he was in um, he was in Orlando. You know, it was like he didn't get along with the organization anymore. He won it out, so he was able. He was always able to get these disgruntled players, right? Now he's not a disgruntled player, exactly. And that's the tough part because see, before it was always like, okay, I can get this guy off your hands. Right. And then I'm a win. And if it works out, it works out. Now you have the disgruntled guy. And the problem is, it's like, you know, we talked about it. If Ben Simmons works out for an organization, it's great. But if he if he struggles, people are going to say, dude, why you get this guy? Like you saw what he did in the playoffs. You see how everyone's turning him into a meme now. Right. And making a joke. So it's kind of like if you're a general manager, you're not trying to give up a lot for him because it's one of those things. If you do, like if you give up uh, a, a lot for that guy, if he doesn't work out, then you're in trouble. Now, here's the caveat, though. I don't think Dame Lillard is going to leave. That's just my opinion right now, just because, you know, they're, they're, they're like what James Lillard is, what he does is he has the power. Okay, you guys got Chauncey Billups, right? Regardless if he if he says he won them or if he didn't, they got Chauncey Billups. They have a relationship. Now what they have to do is they have to upgrade the roster, so to speak. He wants to play with an all-star, another all-star caliber player too, right? So he wants them to upgrade the roster. Now, if everything goes poorly, you know, and if 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 Dame decides that it's unrepairable then, yeah, I can see the 76ers getting him just because at that particular point, then he has the best asset to give Portland comparable to the other teams, right? Like if people with this New York right. have it now. But here's the thing, though. If you're Portland, you just ain't going to give me Ben Simmons now. Like, you know, I need Tyrese Maxey. I need, I need maybe a pick. You know, I, I may even need um, a Matisse Thibel. You understand what I'm saying? So it's you know what? I'll do like, that from yeah, the Sixers. They'll have to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, see, they have at that point, they have the assets. But, you know, I don't think it's one of those control things. Like in the past, it's like, yeah, they're going to have to come to me because I have what they want. It's not that way anymore. The table's a turn. All right. I'm going to ask you to put your Houdini hat on or your Karnak hat on, and I'm going to throw some names out there that have been rumored to end up on the Sixers, and I need to I need you to give me a percentage chance that happens, okay? Before the season. Dame Lillard. Oh, man, I, I say 40 right now. 40 is pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah, I guess. I guess yeah. Zach Levine. Uh, maybe twenty. So one chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my my thing is, you know, the thing about 
Zach is good, but it's also about fit too. You know, I mean, I, I, I like Zach. Zach likes shooting the ball. So does Embiid. You know, I, I don't know if that's really going to work out. I mean, I know that everybody's buddies, but is it going to work out? You know, it's really funny, and and I would never assume this could happen in a million years, but the perfect fit for the Sixers would be to trade Simmons for Jimmy Butler, but that's that's beside the point. When you think about fit, right, next to Embiid and what they need and toughness and leadership, and, you know, you give Maxi the ball, you make uh, Jimmy Butler the three, that actually could work, but it's never going to happen in a million years. All right, let me give you another name. You ready? Darren Fox. You know, I, I don't really like that one for for Sacramento. I'm sorry. I mean, I know Ben Simmons is a, you know, 6'10", we said all that, we said that, um, you know, transcendent player. Um, but I don't know if he's a point guard in another system. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I just don't know that. I don't I don't know that. And well, I think that like, would be Halliburton would be the point guard and Ben would be the four. Yeah, exactly. But see, the thing about it is the Aaron Fox, as good as he is, he's one of the most underrated players I in the league him. to me. You know what I mean? And I mean, you know, you give him a Ben Simmons better work because we're talking about a team that's been known for making a lot of blunders, a lot of mistakes. And then you finally get this guy and then you're going to get rid of him. And, you know, Ben doesn't even seem like the type of person who like Sacramento is cool, but I don't know if Ben Simmons actually wants to be in Sacramento. So it's like you're trading a guy. Who's I'm not under- sure Ben Simmons desires matter at this point. I mean, he's locked up and, and, you know, I think yeah, they're beyond the point. I mean, I know Rich Paul can have a lot of influence, but I think at this point, what Ben wants is not really paramount to the Sixers' decisions. True, but what I'm talking about is if you're Sacramento. So here's the thing. It, what you said makes a lot of sense. But what I'm talking about is nowadays we have players, or like look at Dame Lillard right now, giving him a prime example, under contract. So people saying like the Sixers going to get Dame. The reason why they're saying that is because if Dame is unhappy, he can make it so uncomfortable for that organization yeah. to where they have to move him. Same thing with James Harden. James Harden was under contract. Jimmy Butler was under tri- contract with Minnesota. Guys, nowadays, these players, if they don't want to be somewhere, they're not going to be there long. So what I'm just saying is, you know, you got a place like Sacramento. Have you Have you ever been to Sacramento? I lived an hour from Sacramento. Okay, so you know Sacramento. It ain't the Bay Area. You know what I mean? It's nice. It's not L.A. It's not the Bay Area. Nice people, but it's a different type of nightlife. And what I'm saying is if you're Ben Simmons and you go there, then all of a sudden I can see – I hope I'm not speaking for him, but I'm just saying I don't know if that's a destination for him to be happy at. And if you're Sacramento, you got to wait at. If you know, I'm gonna give up something, but he I don't know. Need, you know, yeah. he might uh, need something like that—a place that's not, you know, under TMZ blitz 24 hours a day. You know, like where it's not being reported every five minutes who he's with and where he's going, so he could focus on his game. It might be the perfect spot for him. But I mean, that's just me thinking. That's not him. You're right. Yeah, so, but you don't have to. Li- yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if there was three places in LA and in the state of California, there are three places in the state of California you can play. I mean, I think 
for him, that may be the least desirable. I yeah. mean, just because, no, let's I, face of, it. of course it probably yeah. is, but, um, yeah. you know, but if you're, there's something to be said about rehabilitating your career and, but anyway, we, we can, you know, we can debate that another time. Let me ask you this. If the, is there, you know, people are talking about Toronto for Pascal Siakam, Indiana for, you know, two or three, you know, quarters on a dollar, whatever it is. What haven't we thought of? If you had to make a prediction today that, you know, I'm sure you've spent some time thinking about this. What haven't we thought of in terms of what they could do? I mean, I think this is something that I think we have thought of, right? People thought of. Yeah. But the one that's intriguing to me is if you look at the 76ers and they have a win now thing mm -hmm. just because of Joel's health, you know, questions and, you know, things like that. Why not try to go do a sign and trade with Toronto? Be, Kyle. I mean, why not do that? You know, I mean, yeah. you know, seriously, why not? Because Pascal Siakam is a positionless player, right? Um, you know, you can have Ben playing alongside him, right? Um, and the sign and trade is if you don't want to pay Kyle Lowry that money, you can possibly do a sign and trade with Kyle Lowry where he gets to come back to Philadelphia for two years. Now, again, he has to agree to do the sign and trade, right? Because he probably has some options. But I think that that personally, I think that that would be a good fit for both teams. You know, um, now, again, you can say to yourself, well, Kyle Lowry's a little old in the tooth, right? You know, he's this and that. What does he have? But at the same time, you know, he's a guy who's a point guard, who's a Philadelphia guy, you know, tough as nails. He can run an offense, whereas I think that he could possibly coexist with Joel and and, and um Tobias Harris. Now, again, Toronto's going to have some options, but I think that he would be a great fit for the Sixers. They'd be interesting with uh, Boucher and or yeah, Boucher and and Ben on defense. That would be actually kind of crazy when you think about it. But um, I think the next thing that we're going to talk about is your article about the process being a failure. I think that pretty much defines that. If you're trading Ben for a 36 year old point guard that's going to make almost the same money for two years. And then the next thing you know, where are you? I mean, this this was built for sustained excellence and you're looking for maybe a year or two run, which, you know, if you do that for Kyle Lowry, you've got to do something else, I would think. Yeah, true. But at the same time here, it is, but what is sustained excellence nowadays? I mean, nowadays, you know, the, the era of the San Antonio, Antonio Spurs, like when they won all those chips with Tom Duncan, it's different nowadays. Like, yeah. I mean, you look at a lot of teams say, we're going to do this and we're going to be great for years. A lot of those teams tried that. They never got back. I mean, look at the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets now are the players like basically said, hey, we want to go to Brooklyn. <laughs> now you got you have the Brooklyn Nets, right? Um, you know, a, a, a dominant team. LeBron James says, hey, I got tired of being in L.A., so I want to go back. I mean, excuse me, Miami. I want to go back to Cleveland. Then all of a sudden, hey, you know what? I want to play for the Lakers. Then they get A.D., right? Now you have – Make it while you can get it is what you're saying. Yeah, you got to get it while you can get it, man. So it's like, you know, there's no saying. I mean, you know, Joel Embiid, as great as a player he is, and this isn't a knock on Joel. It's just reality. Great as a player he is, he has yet to play a full season, right? 
injury-free season. Yeah. So you look at Joel, he is the franchise. You want to win a championship with him. And if to say that you're going to build and like try to get somebody that's going to be here for a couple of years, like you got to win now. And that's what Daryl Morey says. We're in a win now mode. And when you look at Kyle Lowry, you know, some people say, yes, 36. I get that. Look at Chris Paul. He goes, they give him all that money. He goes to um, Phoenix. Now they're tied 2-2 in the series, you know, playing for the championship. So my thing is, is what do you want? Do you want to win now? Do you want to go and say, okay, we can go to Cleveland. We can get Colin Sexton. We can get Kevin Love. Do you want that? You know, do you want Zach Levine, who, believe me, great player, but he's a great player on a bad team. He's not going to score those 30-point games playing with Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? It's going to go down a little bit, you know? What about Devin Booker, too? Uh, Yeah, well, you say you can say that about Book. I, but you know what? Not anymore. The, yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, but you can say, but but I, I like Booker. I mean, it's yeah. just something about him. I, I think that Booker, like Zach is, is is great. I like him too, right? But Devin Booker, um, you know, you just look at him. It's just something about him. He He's was just killer. all, yeah, killer. He, he was, is. but he just never got to just do, you know what I mean? Now, again, but the, the way the scene is set up, though, let's let's be honest now. Where he is, him playing with Joel Embiid is completely different than playing with um, Aiden, um, Andre Aiden, and with Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul is a point guard, point guard. When stuff goes bad, when people are missing shots, then Chris Paul starts trying to take over, right? That's what you do. Aiden is a guy who, you know, he's a good player, but he's not. they're not running everything for him. This is Booker's team. Right. If Booker comes to Philly, you know, it's going to be kind of like when players play with AI. Like, they all said, oh, we got this guy. He's averaging 28 points or whatever. I'm just throwing that out there, right? They come there, and then all of a sudden, they're not the same player anymore right. because they're not running the offense through them anymore, a la Chris Webber, right? They're not running the offense through them anymore. It's like it's AI's team, so you got to fall in line. So that's my thing. Like, when you look at these guys, you can't say – well, yeah, they average X amount of points because they're not going to get that many shots when they come to Philadelphia. You know what I mean? It's going to be interesting to see what they do. This is uh, my my guess would be it's it would be somewhere around draft night because the Sixers have got to figure out what they're going to do with the free agents. They've got to figure out what they're going to do with their picks. Um, they've got to solve the Simmons thing soon, in my opinion, uh, before draft night or around draft night. I want to take a quick break. Um, as many of you who listen to the podcast know, my daughter has sur- survived a brain tumor. Um, she's amazing. Her name is Jordan. She's ranked at the top of her class. She got almost a perfect score in her math SATs. Um, she's trying to get into Notre Dame and some other great schools right now. Notre Dame's her first choice. So if anybody has a connection, let me know. But she started a 501c3 charity called Small Miracles where she's raised over $45,000 for kids who are recently diagnosed with cancer, cancer-afflicted illnesses. And what she does with the money is she buys iPads for the kids to use as a way to distract themselves during treatment. She also puts together gift baskets that we bring up around Christmas time, all for Children's Hospital at Philadelphia, all for the kids. We've got a casino night coming up where a $100 donation gets you food, appetizers, desserts, 
poker chips to play blackjack, craps, whatever else. There's over 80 at this point gift baskets to to go for auction. Um, it comes with sangria, beer, wine, and uh, all the money, all of it goes to the kids. It'll be at the Spring Lake Manor in Spring Lake, New Jersey on September 3rd. If you're interested, you can Venmo $100 to small underscore, at small underscore miracles, or you can reach out directly to me. I hope you can be there. If you want to participate, please let me know. It's an amazing cause, and she's done some amazing things. So Keith, thank you for the moment. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, what I love about what you do is when I read your stuff and when we talk and when I hear you on podcasts, I know it's the truth. You're not afraid. You don't politic. You don't worry about hurting people's feelings. You tell the truth. And you're not grandstanding. You're not looking for attention like some personalities on ESPN that'll say things to get that. You are a reporter and you tell the truth. And I that's what drew me to you originally. And, um, you know, and that's why I'm a big fan of yours. You wrote a pretty controversial article uh, about the process being uh, over, being a failure, uh, being not what it was supposed to be. And I think you can look back. I think there's two sides to the story. Side number one is they tanked for, you know, three, four years, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, were able to get multiple draft picks. And the ones that ended up in Jaleel Okafor, Markel Fultz, um, you know, whatever is happening now with Ben Simmons, you're really left with Joel Embiid. Or you could look at it as the Sixers have been in the second round of the playoffs three of the last four years were a couple of really crazy bounces away in Toronto from possibly making a, a strong finals run a couple of years ago, and they still have Joel Embiid and still have the asset of Ben Simmons, which could lead to more assets. What inspired you to write the article and what convinced you that the process was a failure? Um, what inspired me to write the article is, I guess, after game seven, and the reaction that everybody was saying to Ben Simmons saying, you got to trade him. Right. And, you know, also heading into heading into that game. I don't know if you noticed, well, heading to that series, I wrote an article saying like, this is, this is going to be telling for the Sixers. Um, Basically, you know, they started the process because, and Brett Brown was fired basically because he couldn't get out of the second round, right? Right. And this year was supposed to be the year. Everybody was celebrating their best record in the Eastern Conference, two perennial All-Stars, everything, a new coach, new Daryl Morey, everything. And the fact that they couldn't get out of the second round, again, um, to me, proves that this process was a failure. And, And here's the thing. The process was started because in 2012 season, they were to, I believe, the eighth seed or whatever, but they they made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. They lost to the Boston Celtics in seven games. Mm -hmm. Well, they said that's not good enough. And they basically got rid of Iguodala. Um, They got rid of a lot of players off that team. And what they had is they got, like, guys on expiring contracts for a year. They were going to have them. And then what? Then they went out, and they also—I mean, one of them was Andrew Bynum, right? So the fact is, if these guys didn't work out, 
they were going to have a lot of money, some cap space to go out and maybe trade for somebody. You know, that way they could take in some salary or they can get a free agent. They can do a lot of things. Well, they decided to just go into the tank. Now, there are going to be some people that say. The which process, a lot of teams do. Which a lot of teams do. But they went They're, all in. They went all in for four years. I mean, you know, it was three years and Ben Simmons got hurt. And then they like, oh, well, maybe we're not that good. So let's start tanking again. Right. So the thing is, I get where some people say the plan was good. They acquired a lot of draft picks. You know, Sam Hinkie wasn't here to see it through. Right. But what happens is you have to include everything. Right. It's kind of like if you draw up a great play, you draw up a great play. And a guy dro- uh, drops the ball. Well, the play failed. <laughs> it's like yeah, the, the offensive coordinator, he drew up a great play, but they didn't score a touchdown. So they failed, right? They failed to score. I, I think that they had a lot of picks. And the fact that a lot of Joel Embiid is the only one that they're sure of nowadays. I mean, we talk about Nerlens Noel. We talk about Michael Carter-Williams, talk about Jalil Okafor, you talk about Dario, Dario Sarage, you talk about um, Markel Fultz, Zaire Smith, you know, um, uh, Timothy Luwalu. I mean, we're, we're, uh, you know, there's Some a lot decisions. of guys, Jeremy Grant, we talk about all these guys who aren't even on the team anymore, right? That's not there. Um, so when I say that, you look at it and you're saying to yourself now, Eight years later or 10 years later, after that 2012 thing, they still are losing in game seven of the second um, uh, game seven of the second round of the playoffs. And you still don't know what you have. Like, think about it, Ben Simmons. Do you Mm -hmm. think I think I think a lot of the uh, process supporters would say. Sam Hinkie didn't get a chance to finish it. So you can't say the process was a failure. You'd have to say the Sixers leadership was a failure. That's still part of the process. I mean, think about yeah. it. You know, that's part of the process. Like, you know, and you, like you like, I mean, it's still part of it. I mean, you think about how many pro, how many we're talking about a process, right? We're talking about 10 years. Well, we're talking about in eight years, eight seasons, they had six different. I'm not going to say general managers because they all had different titles, but you had six different people running the front office. You had Sam Hinkie, you had Jerry Colangelo, then you had Brian Colangelo, then you had Brett Brown on an interim basis, right? Then you had Elton Brand, right? And then now you have Daryl Morey. That's six different people, right? So, and, and we're saying like the mistakes that were made. So I get what people say, you know, oh, but what about Hinky? He didn't get a chance to do what he what he did. Well, you know what? Much respect to Sam Hinky. He he didn't get a chance to do that, but he did draft Jalil Okafor, right? And yeah. Jalil Okafor, he drafted Jalil Okafor. You know, so you know the thing I is, he was I forced get- into that by ownership, who felt that that was because Porzingis wouldn't work out for the Sixers. Although obviously we know there were some better players after that. Um, did you ever hear that? Is that I think that I mean here's the fight. thing. Let's keep it. Let's keep it one hundred. I, I wrote an article before, like um, about this. 
the ownership it did have a heavy hand in everything, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to understand this. Um, Nerlens Noel didn't work out for the 76ers. True. Um, Joel Embiid didn't work out for the 76ers, right? Um, Joel Embiid had bad medical because he was hurt. He didn't work out for the 76ers. The only player at that time, particular time, who worked out for the 76ers was Michael right? So when we hear this, we say, when we, when we hear this and we say that this guy didn't work out, well, a lot of dudes didn't work out. Like, like I'll be honest with you. Um, but Steph Curry told Golden State, don't draft me. Don't draft me. Golden State still drafted him. He's a god down there, you know, yeah. a little small G, but he's a god. He's the goat in, 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 in the Bay Area. You understand? Now, what if they would have said, nah, man, he doesn't want to work out for us, so we're not going to work out. We're not going to work him out. Come on, man. You don't do that. Excuse. Yeah, All right, yeah. let me throw this back to you, okay? So say tomorrow we wake up to a Woj tweet or Shams or whatever that the Sixers have traded Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and two draft picks for Damian Lillard, the Sixers go on to win the championship in 2022. Does that make the process a success? I mean, how long you want to continue the process, though? Well, I mean, but you, you know, you know uh, but, but what but you're saying is you, you can't you can't have it both yeah. ways, man. You like you know you you can't have it both ways. You can't like say, you know, the see. My, my thing is you got to be careful with that, like. You got people who can continue in the process. You know, when Ben Simmons was drafted, he was a transcendent player. He was a power forward that they turned into a point guard. They said how great he was. They this and that first overall pick. He was celebrated. So now you go on and you say, all right, well, we traded this person, but we got this asset back for that. Like, you know, to me, that's to me, that's more like PR driven, that's more like, you know, making you think about the things. Now, if the process would have worked, in my opinion, is if you would have traded, if you would have got Ben Simmons, you would have had somebody working on his shooting. You would have had him in the gym. You know, when the coach said we want him to make attempt threes a game, he would have attempted it. Done. Yeah. Right. Not like saying, you know, and, and I get it, you know, you can trade them, you can get other people. But to me, that's more like a continuation. That's like when they gave up, when they traded, when they made the trade for Zaire Smith. Yep. What they said is, but if we would not have made that trade, we would not have been able to get that draft pick that enabled us to get Tobias Harris. So you understand what I'm saying? It's like a little bit of a spin. Right. You know, it's like a spin. Like, nah, dude, like. You, you so what I've learned from this conversation is if I wanted to argue against the process, I could do it. If I wanted to argue for the process, I could do it. The bottom line is they need to make some better decisions. Yeah, dude. I mean, think about it. Like, okay, you gave up on, okay, so here we go. So you traded Nerlens Noel. What did you get for that? They got two second round picks that could convey into a first round pick that did not. Yeah. And you got, and you, you got a, uh, yeah. So when you traded Jalo Okafor, what did you get for that? Nothing. You know, now, you know, like, so to me, it, it, it's, you, you can make an argument each way. And it's a great conversation to have. It is. It, it, it really is. is. It's a great conversation. But it's, it's kind of sort of the goal was to either draft these dudes, 
or like draft them and develop them. Or if you can't develop them, you go in and you bring in assets. Like my thing is you look at Jeremy Grant. They gave up on now. He wasn't a lottery pick, but they gave up on Jeremy Grant, right? Didn't think he could play. Jeremy Grant is, is, uh, was, should have, could have been the most improved player this year. Yeah. You know, he, he showed that he can be, you can build a team around him. And he's an Olympian. And we're talking about Jeremy Grant. Yeah. You know, you know, we're talking about Jeremy Grant. So, you know, so to me, it's like, yes, either like they were making some bad decisions on drafts and the talent evaluators gave up on some people or, you know, a little bit, maybe a little bit too quickly. Now, even down to the Jimmy Butler thing. Right. Great, great move. So you have Dario. You give rid of Cov. You got rid of um, um, Jared Bayless and you bring in Jimmy Butler. And it at one serve, that's great. Like, wow, you know, they want star hunting before. They couldn't get it. So they had to trade for somebody. But when you do all that, you can't, like, end up trading Jimmy Butler, like, letting him do it, like, like doing a sign and trade for him for a guy who's not even on a team. So, like, right now, this is what, it, this is what they got. And Steph Curry is a great fit for the Sixers. Steph Curry is a great fit for the Sixers. But what they essentially did is they traded Dario Sarge, Robert Covington for Steph Curry. Seth, because that's yeah. what they got from Steph Curry. Yeah. yeah. Steph Curry. My bad. I always no, get Because I was thinking Seth, Steph Curry is a great fit for anybody. But yes, yeah. Yeah, great Steph fit. Curry's but, been but good. Yeah, Seth. Yeah, so no, you're Curry. totally right. You're totally yeah. right. But but that's what they'll tell you. Like, oh no, we, we got an upgrade. Like we have a starting two guard who can shoot the ball for three. So what I'm saying is you can, and I'm not saying the six center, but that's the argument. It could go back and forth, you know? Look, man, I could go another hour with you and I'm going to bring you back after the day that Ben Simmons gets traded. We got to talk about it, but tell everybody where, I mean, everything you do, I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the way you uh, think through things, the way that you're honest, the way that you have sources. And it's always fun to listen to. Tell everybody how they can read you, follow you and listen to you. Okay, you can uh, read me at Enquire.com. That's the Philadelphia Enquirer, but pushing online now. So it's Enquire.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers. The same thing, Instagram, Pompey on Sixers. And you can listen to my podcast. I'm, I'm, I got to have my man Mike on there soon. Next um, week, right? Podcast. Yeah, next week. Yeah, next week. Uh, locked on 76ers. So you can yeah, listen to me there. All right. Keith, thanks a lot for joining. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching Killing Me Small Podcast. You can subscribe to the Kill Me Smalls podcast on YouTube under the painted lines. Just hit the subscribe button where there's this podcast and so many others, a lot of great content, a lot of great videos leading up to especially the NBA draft. Or you can download this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be back next week. I've got Mike Lombardi, former NFL guy, uh, very controversial dude. Got him next week. Thanks, everybody. Hey, it's Justin Grasso from Sports Illustrated. You're killing me, Smalls. Enjoy the podcast.